This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 97 of the Catholic Foodie. It's Beaujolais Day. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and it is Beaujolais Day. We're talking Beaujolais Nouveau. Today is the 18th of November, the third Thursday in November, and that means, yep, it's Beaujolais Day. And do you know anything about that? Have you heard about that before? Well, if not, stick around. We are going to learn a little bit today about this French wine, Beaujolais Nouveau, and what makes today so special. In addition to that, I'm going to give you a little recap of my uh, time in D.C. with Lisa Hindi. Uh, We're going to talk a little Thanksgiving, and I have a fantastic interview to share with you today right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right. I do have a fantastic interview to share with you. I've got Kessie and Kobe Thomas coming on the show uh, in just a little bit. And they are the masterminds, although they would probably not use that word, the masterminds behind Simplicities of Life. You heard me talk about them last week and uh, the beautiful, beautiful rosaries that uh, that we got from Simplicities of Life. And uh, if you want to get a, a peek at those rosaries, you can go to, um, well, you can go to simplicitiesoflife.com and you will find pictures there. And I also posted some pictures of my rosary, my new rosary, and also Char's new rosary on the Facebook page. So you go to facebook.com slash catholicfoodie and you'll see the pictures right there. Uh, also, Sarah Reinhardt is joining us again today with Mary in the Kitchen. And we're going to be talking about something I'm very excited about. Mother of Divine Providence. She's going to reflect on Mary as the Mother of Divine Providence. So, exciting show today. We're a week away from Thanksgiving, and I am so glad that you are here. So, let's jump right on in. And the first thing that we're going to do, we're going to thank our sponsors. Our sponsor is divineoffice.org. You need to go there. Check it out. They've got uh, Liturgy of the Hours right there online. And you can read it right there on the screen on your computer. You can also listen to it. You've got audio there where you can pray along with others the ancient prayer of the church, the official prayer of the church, the liturgy of the hours. It helps us to really sanctify time, to sanctify our entire day, to make our entire day a prayer. A beautiful thing. I pray the divine office every day, and I invite you to join me. So head over to Divine Office. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau de la Tour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. (laughs) Let us toast your non-idiocy. Beaujolais Nouveau, that is a French wine, and uh, it's really, it's, it's very interesting. It's, um, it's a young wine, very young wine. I'm a, I'm a, I've got something to share with you right here about Beaujolais. Uh, I like it. First of all, I want to tell you that I do like it, and uh, my, my in-laws, every year, they, they have a, a big Beaujolais party, and see, that's the thing, and, and it's kind of like a gimmick in a way, but it's been happening for years and years and years, is that the Beaujolais Nouveau is only released on a particular day. Uh, every year, and it's the third Thursday of the year, and uh, because of that, it, it gets a lot of hype. And so you have all over the world today because they could they couldn't deliver it. They could not deliver it, have it shipped out or delivered until midnight. La- uh, well, how do you work? How's that work? Midnight last night, whatever. It was this morning, right? Really early, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just it's kind of like hype. It's kind of like a gimmick, but it's really also exciting, especially for people who are into. Wine, and so you have parties all over the world tonight, uh, Beaujolais parties. Now, uh, we are going to go to one, but it's tomorrow night. My in-laws typically have one every year, and it's not always on Thursday. It, it may be the, the following day, on Friday, and uh, it makes it convenient. Matter of fact, there's a story behind why they moved. Uh, well, let me just share this with you. This is uh, something I, it may explain it a little bit better than I am. Uh, this is an article from Brad Prescott. 
And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. The website is intowine.com. And I, I wanted to try to find something for you that was very succinct in describing to you uh, a little bit about the wine itself, Beaujolais Nouveau, and also this event, this thing that it has become. And this was a very, very good article. So I want to share this with you. Beaujolais Nouveau, it's history behind the third Thursday in November. At one past midnight on the third Thursday of each November, from little villages and towns like Romanesche, uh, Torrens, over a million cases of Beaujolais Nouveau began their journey through a sleeping France to Paris for immediate shipment to all parts of the world. Banners proclaim the good news. Le Beaujolais Nouveau est arrivé. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> the new Beaujolais has arrived. One of the most frivolous and animated rituals in the wine world has begun. By the time it's over, over 65 million bottles, nearly half the region's total annual production, will be distributed and drunk around the world. It has become a worldwide race to be the first to serve this new wine of the harvest. In doing so, it has been carried by motorcycle, balloon, truck, helicopter, Concorde jet, elephant, runners, and rickshaws to get it to its final destination. It is amazing to realize that just weeks before, this wine was a cluster of grapes in a grower's vineyard. But by an expeditious harvest, a rapid fermentation, and a speedy bottling, all is ready at the midnight hour. By French law, Beaujolais Nouveau is to be released no earlier than the third Thursday of November. Beaujolais Nouveau began as a local phenomenon, in the local bars, cafes, and bistros of Beaujolais and Lyon. Each fall, the new Beaujolais would arrive with much fanfare and pitchers filled with the growers from the growers' barrels. Wine was drunk by an eager population. It was wine made fast to drink while the better Beaujolais was taking a more leisurely course. Eventually, the government stepped in to regulate the sale of this uh, quickly transported free-flowing wine. And in 1938, uh, regulations and restrictions were put in place to restrict the where, when, and how of all this carrying on. After the war years in 1951, these regulations were revoked by the region's governing body, the Union Interprofessionale des Vins de Beaujolais, and the Beaujolais Nouveau was officially recognized. The official release date was set for November 15th, and Beaujolais Nouveau was officially born. By this time, what was just a local tradition had gained so much popularity that the news of it reached Paris, and the race was born. It wasn't long thereafter that the word spilled out of France and around the world, and in 1985, the date again was changed, this time to the third Thursday of November, tying it to a weekend and making the celebration complete. But wherever the new Beaujolais went, importers had to agree not to sell it before midnight on the third Thursday of November. So very interesting. This is very interesting. If you'd like to know more about uh, Beaujolais Nouveau, you can go to winewithoutrules.com. And uh, Brad Prescott goes on to say, it is a triumph of marketing and promotion, mostly due to the efforts of Georges Deboeuf, uh, the largest negotiant in the region. He's a tireless promoter of Beaujolais and Beaujolais Nouveau. More than a fifth of his annual production, about 4 million bottles, is Beaujolais Nouveau. All in all, in the last 45 years, sales have risen from around a million bottles to more than 70 million bottles. Wow. Now, that's that's good marketing. <laughs> He says, uh, Mr. Prescott goes on to say, apart from the fanfare, what makes Beaujolais Nouveau so popular? And especially in the U.S. where consumption of red wine is less than 30%. Simply put, Beaujolais Nouveau is about as close to white wine as a red wine can get. Due to the way that it is made, um, being pressed early after only three days, the uh, phenolic compounds, in particular the astringent tannins normally found in red wines, isn't there, leaving an easy-to-drink and fruity wine. 
This, coupled with the fact that it tastes best when chilled, makes for a festive wine to be gulped rather than sipped, enjoyed in high spirits rather than critiqued. As a side note, it makes a great transitional wine for anyone wanting to move from white to reds. Finally, the race from grape to glass may be silly, but half the fun is knowing that on the same night, in homes, cafes, restaurants, pubs, bars, and bistros around the world, the same celebration is taking place. It hasn't the pedigree to be a classic wine, but it's always good. Any other opinion you may, you may regard as boorish and uninformed. So that's, that's Beaujolais. That's what Mr. Prescott has to say. And you know, it's funny because it is. It's all pomp and circumstance, but a lot of life is like that. A lot of our celebrations are like that, kind of pomp and circumstance. But it's, there's meaning there. And uh, really, when you boil it down, it's just fun. It's simply just fun. So question for you. Are you going to uh, go to a Beaujolais Nouveau party this week? Uh, if you are, I'd love to hear about it. If not, and you've never tried that wine and you want to go out and get a bottle once it's on sale, uh, let me know. Let me know what you think about that. Beaujolais Nouveau. You'll find links, of course, in the show notes at catholicfoodie.com. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, just a couple of things here in the appetizer segment that I want to share with you that really, uh, I can't say that they have anything to do with food, actually, but uh, just a couple of things. First of all, you know, uh, Char and I celebrated our 12th anniversary, 12th wedding anniversary this past Sunday, the 14th, and uh, thanks to um, Sarah Reinhardt, who noted that the 14th is actually, traditionally, the feast day of Mary, the mother of divine providence. I never knew that, so... Very glad that she'll be talking to us today about uh, the mother of divine providence. That's awesome. Uh, but we we didn't actually. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we did real quick. Uh, we we got we went out to eat on Saturday. We did not get a chance to go out to eat on our uh, anniversary. But uh, you know, it's taken us twelve years to do this. But for the last like I don't know several weeks, several weeks, uh, we have gone on a date just the two of us, every week. Now, that it is taking 12 years. We were told when we started our marriage prep classes um, that it was so important to do that. You know, when the kids come along, that it's so important to, to dedicate time to each other. And a weekly date is perfect for doing that. But you know how life is. <laughs> it never quite goes, I think, the way that you expect it to. Uh, we just could never pull it together with three little kids, you know, just stepping stones, right? They're nine, ten, and or eight, nine, and eleven right now. Uh, we just couldn't seem to pull it together to go on a date like every week or, or even regularly. It just was sort of haphazard. Well, for whatever reason, however, I guess a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that I've made this transition in my uh, in my career, my work. Um, it, it's allowed us that opportunity, and of course the kids are getting older, where we have been able to spend time together every week, uh, just the two of us. It's been so good. It's awesome. Uh, a tremendous blessing. I want to thank the Lord for that. Absolutely. Golly, it's, um, yeah, I love my wife. <laughs> I love my wife. Isn't that awesome? So uh, on our, our the day before our anniversary, don't tell the kids this, but Char and I actually snuck out when they were at play practice, and we went to eat sushi. Uh, we didn't tell the kids, so they can't listen to this episode now. Uh, but it was good. It was really good. We went to uh, Megumi, which is a, a place. Got, we've been there several times to the original location in Mandeville. They have one now in Covington, and we went to that location finally for the first time. Uh, they had an art festival going on downtown Covington, so we went to have uh, sushi. And then went and strolled around the art fest for a while until it was time to pick the kids up. It was so nice. Great weather on Saturday. It was wonderful. Uh, Sunday, on our anniversary, we decided to go to make the drive to New Orleans 
it's about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, make the drive to New Orleans to the church that we were married in. And this is St. Patrick's downtown New Orleans. It's often referred to as the second cathedral or the other cathedral because it's, it's an old church and it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Old uh, old architecture, you know, and it's just, it's a holy, sacred place. It's beautiful. Went to the 930 Mass in the morning, and that's the only church in the Archdiocese of New Orleans that has uh, a regularly scheduled Latin Mass, and it happened to be, or it happens to be the 930 Mass. So you, I don't know if I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that uh, when I stole Char and took her away for the for a, for a day and a night in New Orleans, we stayed at a hotel right down the street from uh, St. Patrick's, and we went to Mass there, not even realizing that the 930 was a, a Latin Mass, went to Mass there, and it was beautiful. It was just gorgeous. It was a, a tremendous experience, a beautiful experience. Uh, first time, I think, no, it's not the first time. It's probably the, the second or third time in my life that I've ever been to a, a Latin liturgy. So um, anyway, when I, I told the kids about it, and when we were decided to go to St. Patrick's, they were like, oh, can we go to the Latin Mass? I'm like, okay, sure. So we did that, and we went to pick up some food for a picnic, and we went to Audubon Park. And we sat out at Audubon Park and uh, just enjoyed the weather. And amazing, though, is it dropped about 10 degrees while we were sitting out there. Now, this is a Sunday afternoon in New Orleans, and the temperature was dropping. <laughs> Strange. Uh, but funny, too, that I had no idea where we were. We were literally blocks away from a festival. I had no idea what was even going on. It was the Po'boy Festival, right? The Po'boy. And, of course, you might know a Po'boy as a sub or a hoagie or something like that, but down here— we call those things po' boys, and it, it stands for poor boy. And there's a history to that. Uh, po' boys used to be cheap. <laughs> They're not so cheap anymore. You spend $10 or more on a, on a po' boy uh, down here. But uh, used to be they were really cheap, and that's what the workers would go and get on their way out to, uh, to work, wherever they were going. And it was, a, it was a poor boy, which, you know, got shortened down to po' boy. So... Uh, there was a po'boy festival in New Orleans. It was on Oak Street. It was just blocks away from where we were. And I saw pictures after the fact of how many people were there. It was unbelievable. I haven't gotten any totals. I don't know the stats of how many people were really there, but I saw the pictures, and it was wall-to-wall people. It reminded me of Mardi Gras. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is for a po'boy festival. Goodness gracious. So anyway, next year, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll be able to do that next year. Then I can keep informed ahead of time and know that it's coming up. <laughs> I, I need to, to read the news more, watch the news more. Uh, anyway, very it was a wonderful weekend. It was great. And it was right there. The whole weekend was really on the tails, or the coattails, I guess, of uh, my trip to Washington, D.C. So if you remember, I went to D.C. Thursday of last week. For the National Council of Catholic Women, they had their 90th annual convention in Washington, D.C., about 800 or so women in attendance to, uh, for this convention. Uh, amazing. It was amazing. Lots of speakers, lots of people from all over the place. Uh, and I learned some history, too. I learned that in 1961, the keynote speaker for their convention in 1961 was Mother Teresa. Wow. That's awesome. Mother Teresa of Calcutta was the keynote speaker in 1961. I had no idea. So that was really cool. I, I got to meet lots of, lots of folks. It was a, a really good trip. And, of course, the highlight for me was just seeing my friend Lisa Hindi. I haven't seen Lisa since the CNMC, which seems like it was so long ago. It was just a couple of months ago. And, you know, at the CNMC, Lisa had a, a, a job to do. She, <laughs> she was working so I was there getting to mingle and hang out with everybody, and uh, Lisa was working. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to spend just hanging out with Lisa, and uh, it was just such a blessing, such a blessing to hang out with her uh, in, in D.C. We got to eat a couple of meals together. We were there. We were actually presenting together. We did a, 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 a session on social media and, and the church, and how we can use social media for our, you know, church organizations and whatnot uh, uh, to spread the gospel. 
And we were presenting together, so we got together ahead of time, and we were, you know, going through our presentation and all that. But we also got to go and take a little walking tour and and just kind of catch up and and had a couple of meals together, and it was just so nice. It was so we're both running on very little, very, very little sleep. That was <laughs> that was true. Very, it was um, very mellow, you know. <laughs> but it was just so good. It was kind of like. Uh, being on retreat is what Lisa said. We went to Mass together on Friday at the oldest church there in the downtown D.C. area. St. Patrick's was the name of that one, too. Um, beautiful church, beautiful church. I took a few pictures inside. Couldn't believe it. Um, j- j- really interesting crucifix, too. I have to put that, took a picture of it. I have to put it on uh, at catholicfoodie.com. You want to check the show notes to see that picture. Really neat. And... Um, it was just peaceful. It was very peaceful. So wonderful trip. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed meeting all those folks there at uh, the National Council of Catholic Women and got to, uh, at their convention, I got to meet Raisa. Raisa is one of the listeners of the Catholic Foodie, and it was so cool meeting her. And we got some pictures, had someone take some pictures. And uh, she's also over there on Facebook at the, the Catholic Foodie page, facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. So it's a pleasure to meet her. And, uh, it was just a lot of fun. So it's been a busy, I'd say, uh, week or so, and we're moving into Thanksgiving. That's right. And so I'm going to slip right in here to the salad segment where normally I give you a health tip, but I'm not this week. I'm going to give you a health tip. Instead, I'm going to ask you for a tip, knowing that Thanksgiving is coming up. It's a week away. We've talked about this before last year and, uh, and the year before that here at the Catholic Foodie. Can you believe that? Two years. Uh, we talked about the fact that, you know, Thanksgiving, you have a lot, I mean, it's a lot of eating that goes on. Turkey, which scientifically it has been proven, makes you tired. There's chemicals behind that, right? Makes you tired. So we have talked about this before, about how, uh, how, do, you, how do you handle Thanksgiving? How do you, uh, uh, is it a free-for-all? Uh, do you try to monitor or moderate your intake, your food intake on Thanksgiving? Because, you know, it's famous. It's famous for a day. You stuff yourself, and you enjoy the food, but you stuff yourself, and then you're miserable, and all you want to do instead of hanging out with family and friends is go find a nice, comfy, cozy spot on the couch and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, and of course, you've got the football games going on and, you know, all kind of good stuff. So, how, what what do you do? What do you plan on doing this year? That's going to be the question this segment. Are you going to try to moderate your Thanksgiving intake? Or is it basically going to be a free-for-all? Is it big happy turkey day and uh, and, and we're just going to go to town on turkey? What, what are you going to do? What do you do? And if you do plan to kind of try to be moderate, do you have any suggestions or tips for, for us on how we could be a little more perhaps uh, uh, moderate as we approach Thanksgiving and how we enjoy our food on Thanksgiving. Very important to enjoy our food is a good thing. But uh, at least for me this year, I know I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I'm going to try to be a little bit more moderate than in the past and and how much I actually eat on Thanksgiving. The food's not going anywhere. <laughs> I've got a fridge. It'll keep. So uh, what do you think? I want to hear your thoughts. I want to know what you plan on doing and if you want to share with me your Thanksgiving plans in general, please do so. Give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Of course, you can always send me an email at Catholic, uh, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Comment over on Facebook, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. I want to hear from you. So what are you going to do? Let me know. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, I have to tell you, I am so excited because we have guests on the show today. That's right. We have guests today for dinner. Isn't that great? I love that. And uh, not just any guest. I mean, if you listen to last episode, you heard me talking about 
uh, our new rosaries. And you probably heard me talk about simplicities of life. Well, you know what? I've actually got Kessie and Kobe Thomas with us today on the show, and I'm so excited about that. Welcome, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We really appreciate you having us. Well, it is wonderful to have you. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, there's so many so many different ways that, that our connections, I should say, that we have uh, or similarities. I mean, you guys live in Louisiana. You're not that far away, only a couple of hours. You're in uh, the Lafayette area, right? Uh, a little bit south, Abbeville. In Abbeville, okay. And uh, let's see, you are a young mom and dad. You're, I say young. I'm, I'm throwing myself into that loop. We just had our 12-year anniversary. <laughs> but you have young kids, you know, run, young kids running around. And, yeah. uh, and you guys homeschool. We sure do. Yeah, just we do too. It's, it's, it's a, a, a challenge, but it's a lot of fun. And it's a great opportunity for our children, I think, too. Well, I know it's, uh, I mean, one of the blessings, I think, of of being a homeschool family, which, you know, that's what we experience, is the ability, the the grace the to really, I guess, delve into your faith and to be able to be involved in different activities around the church and different ministries and, and things of that nature. And uh, and you guys, one of the things, I know you, you do lots of things, but one of the things that you were doing is uh, something called Simplicities of Life. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Simplicities of Life started um, probably almost two years ago. Kobe and I were asked by a dear preacher friend of ours to do marriage prep, and that's where engaged couples come into our home. Um, probably about a six-week period. We do it every other week. And um, we wanted a very unique gift for that couple that would come in. And... Um, a friend of ours makes rosaries out of Kaplan, and I talked to her about seeing what she would charge us to make it, and she was a huge blessing and just let us, um, opened a bunch of doors for us in terms of where we can get the material and what to do to make it. And um, so our first little couple we had with some very dear friends of ours, um, almost like family. We consider them family. So we made um, a really elaborate family lasso rosary for them. And off of that one rosary, we got five orders right off the bat. People wanted it. And Kobe so the, With the, the business mind that I grew up <laughs> in, the, the, the bell started ringing. I said, well, maybe we ought to do a business with this. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, that's, that's kind of where, where it came from. And, and I think the whole you know, the premise of it was that we wanted to give uh, these couples and other people in the future a tool, a tool to, to use to get to get to heaven, to help get their spouse to heaven or to help get their, their kids to heaven. Uh, you know, I know with me it takes many tools for me to get my family to heaven. Uh, I'm dedicated to saying my rosary daily. Uh, that's been, you know, in and out of my, my life uh, different times, and, and I've really committed to it, you know, lately uh, where I really have put the effort forth that I really try very hard not to miss my rosary time. And, uh, but other tools, you know, we've got, we do book studies and, and it just, we find it takes these tangible tools to, to help get our spouses and, and our family members to heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, it, it's wonderful too, because it's so human. That's the, the thing that I love about it is that, uh, uh being Catholic, uh, you know, something like the rosary is just so, um, human to to have uh, just the beads and they pass through your hand and you use your mouth to pray and you think about what your uh the, the mystery or it's just it it fits us it's like god has the instruction manual on what it what works for us as humans and and this is what's been given to us it's a wonderful wonderful way to pray and i love that i love how you you call them tools that's uh it's so um important i think to to keep in mind now you started this. It's really kind of by accident, it seems, um, which is, I think, a lot of ways, a lot of times, that's how God works. Things kind of start by accident, uh, and you have this desire to share something of uh, of value with other people who are uh, value it both physically or, or or tangibly, but also spiritually, and. I was so impressed when I got that 
those rosaries. I'm just so impressed with like the quality of the materials, uh, what they were made out of. And uh, matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny story because the beads uh, were uh, jasper. Is that right? Jasper stones? Red jasper flake. And what's amazing, my kids are involved at church in this thing. My girls, they're, they're involved in this uh, group. It's called Little Flowers. I don't know if y'all have that over there. But my, my girls are in Little Flowers, and they were studying uh, different things this year. They're like in their third year of this. And they were studying about uh, different stones, and they, they studied jasper, believe it or not. And just like the week before, and they had studied the, um, where it appears in the Old Testament, and also how they came up to me, and they were saying, hey, Dad, you know that the, the floor of heaven is made out of jasper. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. So it's just really funny how, you know, I, I get the, 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 the rosaries, I talk about it on the show, they were listening to the podcast, and they heard me mention the fact that it was Jasper, and this is what they come back with. I'm, I'm like completely floored. <laughs> so how did this, how did that part come about? I mean, the, the, the materials, I mean, you put this, I've never seen a rosary like this. How, how did that part of this, this enterprise come together? I would I have to say I don't take any credit for it because um, when I first when we first started making them I had I, we bought certain stones I just kind of went with the ideas that my friend had given me some that she didn't use in her rosaries we knew we wanted the bigger stone Kobe was very um, drawn to that 10 millimeter averagely you see um, and I hate to address it this way but when you're in the chapel in adoration and you see, um, I always think of older ladies, that the, 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 the mamas praying on their rosary, you normally see them with a six millimeter bead. It's that little bitty tiny bead. And um, you know that that rosary has been prayed on forever that, you know, that they have. And this was, we wanted that, something that would last, um, that they can even pass down to, you know, grandma could pass down to their children and grandchildren. But Chloe really had a desire to do that bigger bead, that 10 millimeter, something um, bigger that you can grasp and be a hold of because um, it's, it's coming from the earth those that's natural stones that we're using that um, that it's actually God made them so as far as the patterns coming together I don't take any credit for that I have to say it's the Holy Spirit I've been um, I'll be in adoration sometimes having my time with Jesus and patterns come up in my head it's kind of annoying sometimes because I'm not thinking of that <laughs> <laughs> but I just go to the end of my journal and I'll write it down and then I'll go back to what I was praying for. Um, and then oftentimes I've been in a situation where I've not been praying while I've made rosary and I'm rushing because I'm, you know, we have four kids in the house right now and I'm trying to hurry up and do a rosary for someone or, and I'm not praying. And I've had a situation where I get all the way to the end, I finish the whole thing, and right as I do the last tramp, it pops. And when the first time it happened, I said, okay, all right, Lord, I'm not going to do this unless I pray. So really, my inspiration of the designs, I really, we both have given the Holy Spirit the credit. It's just, we just follow whatever comes in our brain and we just kind of go with it from there. And sometimes it's not, you know, for instance, I was making, I, was, I made a couple of roses the other night for, for two close friends. And, and uh, I've been telling Father Bryce, uh, our pastor at our church, uh, that I was going to make him a rosary, and every time I see him, he, he asked me about it, and I just I wasn't ready. I don't think I was spiritually ready to make his rosary. I, for some reason, it just wasn't clicking in my head of what he needed. And I sat down to make it the other night, and and I got to the first decade, and I, I, I like Kessie said, I just didn't care for it. It was not sitting with me correctly. So, and Kessie was on a silent retreat, so you know I'm gonna let it sit there. I'm gonna wait till she gets back, and, and we sat down together, and. Uh, and figured out, you know, what, and when it, when it clicked, it was like, it was so, yes, that, that's exactly what he needs. It was really a confirmation. That's amazing. It's, it's like a, it's a, it's a prayerful experience. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we spend a lot of time together now. A lot of people ask us, how do you do it? You know, with kids in the house, expecting another one, running, a, uh, we have two businesses. What, you know, what are y'all doing with the time? And I often say, well, we don't watch TV anymore, and we just spend a lot of time together in the studio when the kids go to bed. It's a good quality time for us. 
And God can work wonders with that. <laughs> and has, huh? Well, that's uh, that that I mean, that's truly, truly amazing. And I, I can't uh, begin to describe enough. I took those pictures and put them on on Facebook and uh, uh, on Twitter, and just to to share with people how impressed I was with uh, with the rosary. And you know, I thought I couldn't help but think about it when uh, uh, was it uh, Padre Pio had talked referred to the rosary, or I think a lot of saints have referred to the rosary as as a weapon, you know, as a weapon against uh, evil, and. Seeing this rosary and how how uh, uh, solid this thing is, it gives a whole new meaning to that expression. This is a weapon for uh, evil. I went to D.C. Uh, this past week and I was praying that I could get through customs with the rosary, <laughs> <laughs> and they let me. They let me through, so I got to pray on the plane. It was great. <laughs> Now another thing about the the rosary that that's really um, stood out to me are the the, the crucifix and the, the the metals right the the crucifix and the center and all that uh, they're they're heavy duty first of all and uh, just beautiful. You know that's one of the biggest. Um, what we've had a couple of conferences that we've been in. We've been in a couple of we've had a couple of open houses, and that's the number one thing that we hear over and over again that. People are drawn to the metal, and I hear the same thing over and over. I've never seen anything like it. Um, all of our metals are in solid bronze. They are available in sterling silver. Um, they can be ordered in sterling silver. It just we have not made that investment. Um, we just are really called to do the bronze. We have made rosaries with the, with the sterling silver when customers have requested it. But so many people will even tell me when I offer them the sterling silver, oh, but I love this. The solid bronze, it looks antique. And it most of the metals we use um, have been an antique at one time that our company recast. So this company has gone off to find old metals, and then they recast them. There's a few metals we have that they have designed themselves. They've had an artist come in and design. And if we ever come to the point where God puts on our heart to design a special metal for us, they can you know, cast it for us also. But um, it's just amazing. I, we have a couple of metals that um, are from 1890 and um, you know just real old dates that when you look at them you've never seen anything like it and I think that's one of the biggest draws when people see them they see that antique look that old look that's uh that's awesome <laughs> it is true and I hear that theme that theme over and over again I've never seen anything like this <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, you know, uh, you do have uh, you do have a website, and it's uh, simplicitiesoflife.com, and you've got pictures of the rosaries there. Yes, we do. I, I I have to say though, you've said this. I think you said it on the last podcast, and we keep hearing the same thing. I don't really have a solution for it, but everyone keeps saying the pictures don't do any justice once you get the rosaries in your hand. So all I can say to customers is. To choose the best you can. This is the best pictures we can come up with, but we keep getting told that the pictures don't do them justice. Well, that's true. That's true. I did. I did say that, and uh, and it's right. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Uh, we may have to start uh, thinking video. You know, you may have to do video. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, simplicitiesoflife.com. And another really cool thing about your site that I like is that in addition to uh, the rosaries, and I mean, it's, it's you've got. You know, if someone wants to order a rosary, they can. They can do all that there. Also, you have jewelry. I forgot to mention that. Um, in addition to that, you also have these wonderful uh, like thoughts from the saints and just so many really cool things there. I love that quote by Padre Pio, which greets me on, on every page. It says, prayer is the best weapon we possess. It is the key that opens the heart of God. And I love that. <laughs> it's great. We have a great devotion uh, for Padre Pio, our, our 10-year-old son. Uh, his middle name is, is Pio. It's Grant Pio Thomas. And uh, we just really, uh, Jesse and I came to know him whenever we took the pilgrimage to Italy. And uh, we just have a great devotion for him. And, and that quote we started designing the site and making business cards. That was really stuck out for us. 
Well, it's awesome. It's a great one. And uh, man, you talk about just it's just powerful. And I think it's perfect for y'all. It's perfect. Prayer is the best weapon we possess. It is the key that opens the heart of God. Fantastic. Well, Kessie, Kobe, it was so good to have y'all on the show. I'm just uh, I'm so happy to have had the chance to actually talk to you, like in person, sorta in person, <laughs> over the computer, <laughs> and uh, and 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 just to 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 learn a little bit more about how you make these beautiful rosaries. So thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we love your site and, and, and what you're doing uh, as your ministry. And if anybody wanted to uh, learn more, they can go to simplicitiesoflife.com. Uh, your phone number is also on there in case they needed to reach you that way. And uh, do you have a, your, an email, email address handy? Yahoo.com. Simplicities of Life at Yahoo.com. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Hi, I'm Uni. And I'm Ree. And, and this is, is Mary in the, the kitchen, kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> <laughs> so much of what I do for my family is done from my kitchen. I prepare meals and snacks, of course but I also fold laundry and often help with various projects at our long plank table. My kids find me in the mornings with my prayer books or my laptop, and they summon me from the kitchen into other parts of the house throughout the day. Though I have an office, I like my kitchen better. Even in the summer, when it's sweltering and uncomfortable, there's something cheerful about my kitchen that doesn't exist in any other part of my house. It's natural, then, that when I'm stumped in my writing, I go to my kitchen. Sometimes I take my laptop with me. Other times I grab a pen and notebook. And I'll admit that now and then, I go with empty hands looking for a snack to feed that gray matter in my head. When I grew up, the kitchen table was always where we had the important talks. I was grounded countless times while seated there, and we held family meetings there as well. I'm pretty sure my parents were sitting at the kitchen table when I called them to tell them I was pregnant the first time, though I have no proof. When I go back to their house, I usually find myself at their kitchen table. That habit has carried on in my own home. When friends come visit me, we often gather around the kitchen table, and whether our tea is iced or hot, accompanied by food or not, there seems to be an appeal in the kitchen that draws us together. Mary's that way for me. She draws me in, and when I find myself in her presence, I can look around and see other people I know and love. When Jeff shared last month how he was praying the rosary again after such a long break from it, I couldn't help but smile along with Mary. She must be so proud of you, Jeff, and so happy to have you back in her lap again. Recently, I realized that one of the major feast days in our family, November 14th, when we remember one of the three infant nephews my husband's family has buried, is linked to Mary's title, Mother of Divine Providence. One image of the Mother of Divine Providence is shown with a sleeping toddler on her lap. He has that trusting look that small children so often have when they just pass out on their mother's laps. She's gazing down at him, holding one of his hands within both of hers. Her loving look must have been the first thing he saw when he awoke. The infant Jesus is looking up at his mother. There's no drool on his chin, but I imagine there would have been soon because he looks just like he's about to break into a big, toothless smile. Mary's looking down at him, a hint of a smile on her face. His chubby fingers are gripping her first two fingers, and recognizing the hold she has on him, I have to wonder if what follows is a wiggle and a giggle. Though they both have halos, and we don't hear them laughing, I think they must have laughed a lot. How could they not? 
their joy in each other must have surfaced again and again. And it surfaces today when I find myself yet again asking for their help. My problems are often no big deal in the larger scheme of life. But maybe that's the point. Maybe it's not about the size of my request, but the habit of trust and hope. Maybe the lesson I need to learn from Mary as mother of divine providence is that no appeal is too small and also that no appeal is too big. Trusting God doesn't always make sense. In fact, we are often asked to trust him when it makes the least sense. Mary is a model for me of trust in God. At the wedding at Cana, when they ran out of wine, she could have just shrugged. What did it matter to her after all? There was no need to get involved. And yet, she did. She went to her son and asked, and then she trusted that he would listen. How often do I approach Jesus with that level of love? In Mary's title, Mother of Divine Providence, I'm reminded that she's my mother too, and that divine providence is the best route for achievement. It's not the kind of achievement that will win me worldly renown, but it will give me peace. Whenever I think of the nephews we've buried, and especially the third one and his father who passed away earlier this year, I find a sense of peace in God's plan. There is nothing happy about a dead baby or a father who's buried before age 40, leaving a young widow and young children behind. But there can be peace. There can be comfort. There can be hope. Mother of Divine Providence, pray for us. Amen, Sarah. Amen. Wow. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a long time now, uh, you know that after Sarah shares her Mary in the Kitchen with us, uh, oftentimes my only response is, uh, wow. And uh, I've got to tell you that I'll be taking this one to prayer. Uh, Golly. Thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, Lots to think about. Lots to think about. Um, and thank you, thank you for, uh, for bringing that to, uh, I mean, the the mother of divine providence had no idea. That's great. And it's on our anniversary. I had no idea. And it makes so much sense to me. That is such a good thing. And, uh, thank you. (laughs) That's all I can say. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to know more or learn more about Sarah or read more from Sarah, go to uh, visit her at snoringscholar.com, snoringscholar.com, and you will find her there. I, I have a sneaky suspicion, though, when you get there, you're going to say, hmm, how could she be snoring? She's got all this stuff. How does she do all this? Yeah, that's what I ask all the time. How does she do all this? So Sarah Reinhardt, snoringscholar.com. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This Mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? We have reached the end of the show. And a couple of reminders I want to uh, leave for you. First of all, uh, simplicitiesoflife.com, Simplicities of Life. Go visit Kessie and Kobe. Uh, check out all those pictures. If you're uh, up for uh, a rosary for uh, for Advent to get ready for Christmas or for Christmas gift or something, I, I can't recommend their work enough. I mean, that's it's just beautiful, beautiful craftsmanship, workmanship, uh, the materials, everything. And you know it's coming from somebody who with a heart of prayer, and that just means... The world. So, uh, simplicitiesoflife.com. And if you go visit, let me know what you think. Please do let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts and to see if you're as impressed as I am. So, uh, go over there, simplicitiesoflife.com, and check that out. Also, want to remind you as Christmas is coming up that uh, we do have coffee, uh, Catholic Foodie Coffee. It's the morning offering blend. 
catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. You can go there and place an order. Uh, also, we have a newsletter, Catholic Foodie Newsletter. The third issue is about to be released. It's about to go out uh, in a day or two. So if you have not yet signed up for the newsletter, please go to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter and sign up. You've got uh, recipes and other uh, content, other things that, that we don't put here on the website or on the podcast uh, or on catholicfoodie.com that, do, that we do put into the newsletter. So that's something just special just for the folks who sign up for it, and uh, you, don't, you don't find that, those, that stuff anywhere else. So uh, catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter. And uh, let's see, anything else? Anything else before we sign off? Only want to tell you one thing, uh, one thing more, and that is that the the feast, the celebration of the feast of Christ the King, is coming up this Sunday, and that really concludes our liturgical year. So we start a new year two weeks from, or actually, it's less than two weeks now, a week and a half from now, and we start that with the season of Advent. So we have lots of good things coming up in Advent as we prepare. For Christmas, and I can't wait. I love Advent. Advent is a wonderful time of preparation, and uh, and it helps us to prepare not only now for Christmas 2010, but it helps us to prepare for the second coming. And that's whether it's when I go to meet Jesus face to face, or when He comes to to you know when He returns in glory. We don't know. We don't know the the day or the the hour. So, but it's a wonderful time. It reminds us how we have to be prepared to receive Jesus. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I look forward to talking Advent stuff with you. If you have anything that you want to talk about this Advent, let me know ahead of time. Give me a call, 985-635-4974. Always love to play your feedback here on the show, 985-635-4974. Or send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And don't forget Facebook, facebook.com, catholicfoodie. And until next time, bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.